Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast and the 2019 Masters. We have a lot planned for the week, both on the podcast and on the website. And to kick things off, we talk golf with PGA Tour Senior Editor Sean Martin. A few other notes about Masters Week. If you don't already, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. It will go out every day of the tournament and usually goes out every week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, It's designed to be the easiest way for you to keep up to date on everything going on in the golf world. And especially with Masters Week, we will be ramping it up and uh, it'll pack a little bit more punch. So it'll be the easiest place to, you know, stay up to date, but also find all the new articles that we're putting up and as well as podcasts across the fried egg and the shotgun start. The pro shop is also stocked up. So we have new hats up there as well as uh, a limited edition polo by B Dratty. B Dratty is uh, one of our official apparel partners along with the other brands in the summit group, uh, fairway green and zero restriction. Uh, I really love be dratty stuff because it looks good on and off the course so if i'm going to meet mrs friday after i play nine for a quick dinner or brunch after a morning 18 i don't have to feel like i have to go change out of uh you know my golf clothes because they're clothes that are acceptable to wear on and off the golf course uh and they're they're very stylish so we tried to keep that in mind with the masters polo knowing that you might be wearing it out at a friend's place or at a bar, um, watching the masters, or you might be playing golf. So it's a shirt that is very versatile. You can wear in any type of situation really. So check that out in the pro shop along with all of our other gear. And without further ado, here is uh, Sean Martin and, uh, the kickoff of our masters coverage. The fried egg requires a different technique. What you need to do is actually square the face so it'll dig down underneath that bad lie and propel that ball right out onto the green. Here's the thing. Playing out of a buried lie in a bunker is completely different than playing out of a nice, clean lie in a greenside bunker. You need to be aggressive on any shot, whether it's sitting cleanly or it's a uh, fried egg. Well, we've all faced it, the dreaded fried egg. It's not to be feared, though. It's actually a pretty easy shot to hit. We welcome on uh, Sean Martin, writer at the PGA Tour. Are you senior writer now? You know, you worked your way. Uh, up, uh, I think my role senior senior editor. Senior editor at the PGA yeah. Tour, and also a uh, a new father. Number father two. Number two. Number two. Trying to catch Kyle Porter. How, how's it going? You sleeping a lot? Good. Uh, we're getting there. Things are calming down a little bit, but it's definitely, uh, it's a lot of work. It's, uh, I feel like two kids feels like three times the work. So I've been on paternity leave. Augusta's the big comeback. Uh, you know, just get thrown right into the fire. I've been paying attention to what's going on, but I'm excited to get to Augusta. See, get back to a little golf. You have some takes just ruminating. Yeah, oh yeah. I've just been fired up. Just, just waiting to unleash Let's let's talk about it. What what um, so so far in 2019, what surprised you? What surprised me? I think the biggest thing is 
maybe the first thing that comes to mind is the way people have reacted to Rory's play. Uh, and just the way that I think because Rory gets very philosophical, the way we philosophize his play, like winning on the PGA Tour is really hard. Playing in a final group is really hard. Playing in a final group when you're like three back, which he's done a couple times, but you know the stats don't always uh, flesh out. Like all those are very hard, and I feel like a guy going like what six straight top six finishes, and we're like dogging him and uh i don't know it was good to see him win the players because i felt like he was playing great and it was just it's just funny how we uh over maybe over analyze these things i mean good play is good play um and then of course speed like i was looking at the speed stats the other day and like being like you know everyone's like oh the putting is bad but you look at the rest of it he's like 200 and strokes gang he's outside the top 100 and like off the tee and approach like it's 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 bad bad He's playing better this week so far, but the weekends have been really the big source of struggle for him. So I think Rory and Spieth, I guess, would be my two big things that stand out. Yeah, we, we've talked a lot about this in the past, is about like winning and how it might be a little overrated. And I think Rory was like the poster boy for this up until that, that players. is He was clearly the best player in the world, like playing the yeah. best golf of anybody in the world going into that players. And then... You know, everybody jumped on the bandwagon after he wins. But to a certain extent, winning, winning there is some randomness to totally. it. Totally. You get into the hunt, and then if things go your way, you got a really good chance at winning. But sometimes things don't go your way. and no, Yeah, golf is so, golf's so random. I think I saw a study once. They hit, like, a bunch of six irons with an iron byron. And, like, it was like 10 six irons and an iron byron and like the yardage disparity was like 15 yards or something just because of like uh air and wind changes like while the ball was airborne like golf is such a random sport uh i think what joe peter said too about clustering like you know you only get one chance to hit each shot and we all have like this you know random basically variance this random uh scott fawcett calls it the shotgun pattern of like where our shots go with basically like the same swing and so golf is just a random game. You stand up on a tee, the wind shifts five miles an hour while your ball's airborne, and like it can have a huge impact. And so we love to ascribe everything that happens Sunday to nerves and you know mental and emotion and all this stuff. But in reality, like especially with a player like Rory, who's done it so much, uh, sometimes these things just don't don't happen. I thought Joe Pita calling it clustering in the very special shotgun start was really good because. Yeah, some days you just, you know, we want to say, we want to ascribe a reason to it, but some days, like, your shots happen to land close to the pin. Uh, you're swinging it just as well as you were yesterday, but, you know, you've gotten good yardages, uh, changes in the air, you know, slight changes in impact, uh, that kind of stuff. Like, it just works out for you with basically the same type of play you had the day previous. When Rory went through you know, where people were, point, like, he can't close on Sundays, I... That it was like the week before the Valspar, or not the Valspar, the players, the Bay Hill was the last time, you know. And I looked at all the stats for his last round, and it was all it was was like he just wasn't hitting approach shots that close. Everybody, yeah. The thing about, and I think this is a part of with golf coverage where everybody always wants to jump to the end result and blame people's putting, right? Yeah. Because they don't see putts going in, but a lot of times it's you're not hitting it close enough to make putts. Right, and, and and that's the case with Spieth. Everybody's pointing fingers at his putting, but he's not hitting the ball close. So it's hard to make no. a lot of birdies if you don't hit the ball well. Right. 
So his yeah, his ball striking stats are really bad, by the way. <laughs> this year. It's it's not good. I, I No. I think that that's but that's also the thing that golf can do to you is where if you're struggling with one thing, it eventually wears on everything. Oh, totally. You've you've covered uh golf for a pretty long time, you know? Yeah. Yep. Pretty much all of Rory's career. Uh PJ Tour, yeah, pretty much all of his career. Uh started doing it before uh Rory came out, but yeah, so I've seen a lot of Rory. Do you do you think this is as good as he's played? I think he seems more complete and I like uh more maybe more controlled. You know, I think he would hit that high draw with the driver and just kill it and when it was on he could just dominate courses. But then when it was off, you know, it was off. And that the fade that he's hitting now, he seems like he's still driving it pretty much just as good, but a lot more control. And it's the same thing we saw with Dustin. You know, Dustin in twenty sixteen he goes to a fade that year. Uh, wins Oakmont, wins Firestone, and I don't know. For it seems like Rory, he just seems under control. Uh, and like, and in what? So seven straight top six finishes, I guess. Like, it just seems maybe he's on a roll, and we get on rolls. But he just seems very in control, very repeatable. Um, I like it. I think that I think he doesn't. You know, you look at Augusta. His Augusta record up until a couple years ago, every year he had a round of seventy-seven or higher. Uh, so many times he got into the mix like through Thursday, Friday, and then shot 77. We saw him do it with speed. We saw him do it in 2011. We saw him do it a couple times early before he was even in contention and then backdoor a top 10. And like, you know, that was his big problem at Augusta was he'd have the one big day and he's finally learned to control that and he's contended. And now he just needs to, you know, maybe shave a couple more strokes off there it, um, it, and get that grand slam. It's, it, it's kind of like how when I watch web.com leaderboards all the time. And the difference between the guys that, you know, have good weeks and bad weeks is usually that it's always the bad round. And it seems, yeah. you know, and that's it, it's at every level of golf is if you can usually in a tournament, in a four day tournament, you know, obviously there's situations where guys run away and play just unbelievable golf for four rounds. But more likely than not, there's going to be one round where you just don't have it. And yeah. that's the I feel like Rory this year has avoided the bad round. Oh yeah, um, totally. It, I can't really remember a year, with the exception of uh, you know, obviously Spieth's been struggling for almost a year now. Um, but outside of really Brooksy, we Brooks Kepka, we have all the big damn guys have shown something. Yeah, I think that happens. I, I'm gonna take the opposite take. I think that happens a fair amount more because uh, I feel like I, every year I see this tweet of like, you know. Rory won, uh, Spieth won, Day won. Like every year, it's like this might be the most hype Masters ever, and I feel like it happens every year. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I could be wrong. I feel like we have more, more parity than ever. There's more, you know, really big players than ever now. Totally right. You know, like I think you could go down the list of players, and and you could get. I mean, you get down to like 20, uh, 22 in the world. You're not surprised if they win this next week. Anybody in the no, top which, 22. Which, going back to the Rory thing, makes like the winning that much harder. So all you can do is consistently put yourself in contention. Uh, you know, Joe Peter's talking about the clustering and the strokes gained and, you know, how 
you can only control what you can control. And so, like, I was looking at, like, the year Chris DeMarco lost to Tiger in the playoff. And DeMarco gained 17 strokes on the field, but he lost to Tiger. But he would have won 11 of the next 13 Masters. And so all you can do is control what you can control, but it just takes that many more strokes gained to then win. So, uh, you know, when you're comparing Rory and, like, all these other tournaments where he comes close, it's Rory against 155 other guys, some of them who are going to have hot putting weeks, all this other stuff. And so he's done the only thing you can do, which is consistently put yourself in contention and then sometimes just hope that someone doesn't happen to play better, which is not a sexy answer and people want to wish there's more to it. But really, I mean, he's done all you can do and he's done what you need to do to be uh, the best player in the world. So outside of Rory, I, obviously he's got the Grand Slam and that's going to be the really big storyline going in what 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 else are you watching what are you what are you exciting excited sure uh i'm curious with dustin johnson uh i did kyle porter's pod and he laughed at me a little bit for comparing augusta and tpc sawgrass based on obviously my my employer and where i work but you look at dustin dustin's record at the player championship was horrendous for a long time he was over par for his career tpc sawgrass uh before arriving uh, at the players this year. And then he played really well and he contended and had a chance to win. And Augusta was kind of that way too. Of the, for a guy, you know, he kills it, hits really far, should dominate the par fives, everything we say about people who should contend at Augusta. But his record there wasn't really good. I think now he's just reached that level where he's so good and so well-rounded that he can contend anywhere. And he showed it at the players, a place that he had not had a good record. And so now I'm Curious if he can kind of show the same thing at Augusta, where like TPC Sawgrass, his results have gotten a little bit better each year after a really bad start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like the last couple of times DJ's played at Augusta. I've thought he's played pretty well. Like, a, a, yeah, a, a couple of years never, ago, he was like, has really he really been in the mix though? Yeah, he was that one year. Um, I want to say it was three years ago. I okay. want to say he finished T6, and he was like, he was right there, you know? Yeah. And he just didn't make any putts on on Sunday. Uh, I think, uh, obviously, hitting the ball really far and really straight works everywhere. Sure. And, like, to a certain extent, it's all about approach at Augusta, you know, but obviously the DJ is always going to have a huge advantage driving the golf ball. And that's yeah. the that's the thing where DJ could just look really bad sometimes approaching greens. I feel like, yeah. Um, and I, but that's everybody really. Uh, who would you say who's your favorite going into the week? Favorite. Um, I don't want to say co-favorite with Rory and Rose. Uh, and then the one I want to look beyond, based on the your boy Joe Pita, is Bryson. So Bryson, when he's an amateur, you know, he's in contention there halfway through the Masters uh, and then just makes a, a mess of 18 and makes triple, but still finishes like 21st. And then last year, hit the ball incredible. Uh, I think he was the worst putter in the field and finished like 25th. I think Kyle um, Stanley was the worst. And Bryson was the second worst, maybe? Yeah, I think Bryson was the second worst. Kyle Stanley lost something like nine shots on the greens. Yeah. Something crazy. So whatever, it was... It was bad. They were both bad. But so point being of Bryson was just, you know, one bad swing on 18, which, um, and then, you know, one horrendous putting week, which his putting's been a lot better. And I think he's, he could have contended twice in, in his two starts, which one of them was an amateur. So 
I do I do like Bryson though he has slowed a little bit uh, in his play, but I think Rose and Rory would be my my co number ones. Somebody I'm I'm curious about this year is Molinari. Yeah, be- because he's never had great success at Augusta, and you could you know for most of his career he had probably like the worst type of game for Augusta. Short but, and a bad putter. But he's like kind of long now. Right. He, well, he gained, I remember last year, he gained 20 yards. It's been like a, a three-year process to gain 20 yards because he basically used to be super straight and super short. Now he's still pretty straight but 20 yards longer. He, and so I asked him for like the best hole that was a good example of how much his distance has helped him. And he talked about eight at Augusta. Uh, he always had to used to go left of the right fairway bunker, and then last year was the first time he could carry it. Uh, putting is a lot better. He has two of the things that you do you do need there. You need to hit it farther. Uh, and, of course, I mean, Augusta's going to penalize misses, especially misses with long irons on 13 and 15, but he doesn't miss anything. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. He can just go. That was, I mean, last year's open win was, uh, it was one of the most impressive golf performances I've ever seen you know it basically yeah. didn't miss a shot for two days and then I mean the uh, the match play was ridiculous going into Sunday he played 73 holes in five matches that's out of a possible 90 holes and then he lost to Kisner but then he rolled through the consolation match I mean he almost won the match play without ever like with seeing I think the 17th hole once yeah he uh He's he's just a tough guy to play against because he never misses. Like those guys yeah. just frustrate the crap out of you. You yeah. know, it's like it, it, I, he's he's got to be kind of a sneaky Masters guy because his his odds are going to be depressed because of his form at Augusta, right? Which I want to say last year was his best finish by a long shot. I want to say he finished top twenty. I, I can look it up, but yeah, I think in a big part of that was that was when he was starting to really see the distance games. But um, last year was his best Masters finish because he is a much different player than he was three, four, or five years ago. So you can't look too much uh, at his his way, way back results. T20 at Augusta. But yeah, that was after some pretty um, pretty bad finishes to start his career. And of course, he has caddying experience there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. For uh, for Dodo. Yeah, cad- same group as Tiger. Tiger was defending champion and Dodo was a uh, USAM champ. <laughs> No better way to learn learn Augusta than caddy at Augusta. Maybe what? more guys should do that. What about uh? What about your boy Hideki? Pete is high on him. I I know. I think he... I think Augusta has Augusta is more of a I I don't know what this term really means because it, it works everywhere. But Augusta now that's been lengthened is more of a ball striker's course than before. You know, before it was like. You had to just kind of wedge it and putt it well and go low. and But now, I mean, really, you know, what are we looking at? Eight, nine, ten under wins some years. And, um, you know, you just got to – so you don't have to make a ton of putts, especially with the par fives. You can just pick up a ton of strokes there. So for a guy like Hideki, you just, you know, don't make any mistakes. You've got to hit good mid-long irons, um, especially at the par fives. And then you don't have to putt lights out because it's not like it, it used to be. It's more of a – like meld of the the U.S. Open a little bit. It's more of a, a ball striker's course, and, and that's why I think Hideki has played well in the last few years. Yeah, he, I, he hits it so good. I think the thing that Augusta does, and I've said this a number of times, but the uneven lies cl- clearly bring the best iron players to the forefront. I think it's yep. why we see Paul Casey play 
outstanding there every single year. I, I, the guy is like a top 10 machine at Augusta. Um, and you see, you look just down the winners. I mean, you look at Spieth, who, who are the best players at Augusta, you know, that we've seen is, are like in our, our generation, Spieth, Phil, and Tiger. And those are three of the best iron players. Well, and it's an underrated skill because uh, TV flattens everything out. And most of us play, you know, fairly flat American golf courses. But, I mean, it's a real thing there. And Spieth had that famous quote that I always love looking back at. He said he always played well at Kapalua when he was there. Uh, and then Augusta because he loved hitting off side hill lies because it made, you have to be more athletic and kind of more innovative. Um, it's less driving range style. It's less mechanic. It's more athletic. Um and so I do think that that skill is greatly underrated because you don't see it on TV and because most of us aren't used to hitting shots like that crazy enough, that much of a side hill or uphill or downhill lie. Mm-hmm. It's a, I think, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. It brings so much skill to the forefront. And and then I think around the greens, obviously, that's guy you're going to miss. And that's the, the thing where... You know, Ricky, I, what do you think about Ricky going into this? It's obviously always a big question. A little bit, too, with the short game stuff, though. Sometimes I wonder, when something is so hard, it almost, it, the great players really stand out at it, but then it kind of compresses, like, the average and bad, I feel like, where if you're not that good at it, you're really bad at it. So, with, like, how hard chipping and pitching is around Augusta, like, guys like Phil and Spieth really stand out. But... If you're only like slightly above average, you're, I feel like your advantage is kind of gone because you're just, you're either really, really good or you're bad. You, I feel like you're subtweeting Westy. <laughs> kind of. I mean, you think that, that's a guy who's not known for his short game, but a consistent contender at uh, Augusta. But then it's because he would ball strike you to death. Yeah. It's a, well, I, I think this about the greens a little bit is that I think that the greens there. I think Hideki being so bad at putting's actually he gets closer to the you know average guy at Augusta than he does at a place like say uh I don't know Valero. Yeah, right? It it turns I think it it kind of compresses the field a little bit of like it's kind of like what if you have two putters you don't have one it's kind of like if nobody's making putts, then nobody's a good putter. I think there's some of that. And I think, obviously, there's a couple guys that can putt well there, but there's only a couple. Everyone else is just kind of, you know, two-putting, taking advantage of par fives. And then, and also using, if you're a really good ball striker there, and you can use the slopes, you can be left with a lot of really short birdie putts into certain pins. So, and, but then, you know, I think you and me and and Stuart Haggis were talking about it with 14. Like, that's a, a hole that not a lot of people think about, but, like, there's a couple places where, you hit a good short iron shot and you can funnel it to within like a foot. But if you miss the slope, now you're left with a crazy up and down, you're going to make bogey. And so I do think that you're left with a lot of short birdie putts there. No one, and maybe Spieth is different the year that he won in 2015, but that was a crazy year. But like a lot of guys are winning there by just pouring in 15 footers all day because it's so hard to do. It's, It's interesting. You say that like, I feel like maybe last year was the first time where I felt like Reed made a lot of, really good like 10 to 15 foot putts yeah but for the most part the i think it's because of the way the greens are where there's very small targets on these big greens that you have to get to 
in order to have like a real makeable putt. Um, yep. But and there are some sections where if you do get to it, you are left with a flat putt. Like I was looking, I watched the final round highlights yesterday, and I mean, like he made the big putt on twelve, but twelve is a flat green. Uh, he made a pretty good putt on three, but like it was fifteen feet, but it didn't have that much movement to it. Um, so it was in that front left section of the green. Um, you're there, but you're not making huge bending fifteen footers. Mm-hmm. What um, can we talk about that strokes gain stuff you did per hole? Yeah. Tell, Let's do it. Walk. Uh, so you sent me this chart, and I was like, "Oh, what? What's this? What did you? What did you all? What did you put together?" So I wanted to take the guys who, so I call them seventy-two hole leaders, guys who either won or uh, got into a playoff, because I feel like when you're looking at strokes gain for the week, you can't discount a guy just because of what happened after the final putt dropped in regulation. So I took the last ten years and I stopped at two thousand nine. I mean, a partly for time uh data entry takes a little bit of a while and then b i think before 2009 you get into some weird weather years with 2008 2007 uh and even before that you got into some really hard masters um and then also you had different equipment guys are just getting used to kind of the length and augusta and they're playing it with different stuff than they're playing it now so i stopped in 2009 that was 15 guys and i wanted to look at like if you took that guy every year like where did he gain his strokes in the field what were the most important holes was it just 13 and 15 and he just you know, massacred and gained all the strokes. And so I took, uh, the holes where they gained the most strokes on the field for those 15 guys. And it was interesting. It's what we talked about, but, uh, the two biggest holes were three and 14, which not exactly the two most famous holes at Augusta, um, two par fours, not the par fives. Um, and part of it is for the reason we talked about was that there are holes where you've got a short iron in hand. And if you can pull off the shot, you can be left with a very short birdie putt, but if you don't, you can make five or even six there really quick. I think this is a great way to think about it. And Joe Pita on the shotgun start, uh, talked about this a little bit, but everybody talks about how it's a par five contest. Yeah. But those are the ones where you have to make birdie to keep up. Right. Right. And these are the holes that when you make birdie, you, you separate yourself. Yep. So, and so I can go down the list, but And when we look at them, it does make sense. And and it is, it's not the biggest sample, but it is 60 rounds. But so the, the holes in order are three, 14, 12, 18, and one. Uh, and then you get into eight and 15, a couple of par fives. And then actually the hole that's last on the whole thing. And, and for, I've gone longer uh, and done more years and it stays in the last places too, which is one of the par fives. Uh, but I think Frank, because that one's really hard to mess up because you can you hit it up there you go for it there's no trouble around the green per se um you're not hitting in the water like on 13 or 15 but yeah three and 14 are two short par par fours uh are birdieable i looked at them a little bit they seem to be the holes each year where a couple years they play over par but they allow the most birdies out of the holes that play over par um and then after that 12 i think obviously just keeping it out of the water uh, 18, I think, cause some of those hole locations, especially maybe the Sunday one, you can make birdie, um, there. And, and so a couple good, well-struck shots will give you a birdie, but you can also make a mess of that hole. And I do think one, uh, the first hole, if you just par it four days, you're picking up strokes on the field. Oh, uh, I was, that hole is so hard. Yeah. One. I mean, it, it's, did you by chance listen to that podcast I did about loss aversion? Uh, no, I'm saving it for my five and a half hour drive to Augusta. 
it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. So the the whole thing is that if you play par five, if you if it's a par four instead of a par five, the pros are going to save point two one to point three shots, right? Right per round. Um, so thirteen is a perfect example of a hole that if it was a U.S. Open, they would immediately make that a par four, right? Yep. And but and then guys would score even better on it. Yeah. Because they're a loss averse and, and I think that's there's some stuff there with Augusta where they're there's there's psychological things out there. And I think one is an example of a hole that is extremely hard, but it's made harder because it's the first one off. And you're a lot of these guys it, you know, Ogilvy said it on the pod, like you're more nervous there than anywhere else the rest of the year is the first tee at Augusta. Yeah. Did, and, did you see Eddie Pepperell's tweet? Yeah. <laughs> what um, what did seven, you say exactly? Something like, it's common, we're seven days away from me pitching out of the first bunker, or the bunker on the first hole at Augusta National. What, it, I mean, that's a fairway bunker that you don't, you sometimes do just have to pitch out sideways on that thing. Yeah, it, I mean, they're so deep. I think that's one of the things with, I, I was at Pebble a couple of weeks ago, and that was something that like really shocked me was how deep the bunkers are there. And yeah. that was something also when I was at Augusta that I was like, holy cow, these bunkers are so deep. And you can't tell that from from the TV. Yeah. Is is like, if you're in some of those fairway bunkers, you have no chance. And also a lot of the up and downs around number one, if you do miss the green, are all but impossible. Yeah. Um, yeah, one, one's one of the toughest greens, too. That's That's another aspect of it that it beyond like being very hard to drive it well there then you get there it's the toughest green with unbelievably difficult surround yeah. um what uh what about first timers are you uh are you watching are you excited to see any of these first timers do you feel like uh any of them would have a chance to really perform well um i think because it's more of a, I, and I've read this somewhere, I feel like I'm um, stealing this take, but I think because it's become more of a ball strikers golf course and less of kind of a, a short iron and, you know, go really low that it takes some of that mystery out of it. Um, and so you, you see first timers play better. Um, I mean, like even Tony, I mean, Tony Fino made his debut last year, sprains his ankle and finishes 10. So I think that, I want to say some of the subtlety is taken out of it because on so many holes now you're just playing for par. Um, and so you can play a little bit safer and you don't necessarily have to attack some of the, um, I, some I, of those, you know, I asked this question and now I kind of run down the list of, I'm looking at the list of, of who are the first timers. I would say Victor Hovland. I mean, we're, that's also an amateur. We might get to that later, but I'm going to, yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Um, you, you, you want to listen to the pros and first time pros? Do you know who they all are? I don't. I was actually, after you asked me that question, I was pulling up the field list and just scrolling rapidly through it. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. I, I, this is a, uh, this is, I can't remember a, a first timer list with like not one guy where you're like, so it's Matt Wallace, uh, Beauregard, Pepperell, Keith Mitchell, Aaron Wise, Kevin Tway. Uh, Adam Long, Andrew Landry, and Michael Kim for pros. Okay. So that's a 
feels like a pretty short list too. Short? Yeah, really short. And uh, Wallace has been fairly impressive the last few weeks. Um, he's for a guy that won won six times. I think it was like three years ago. He was a six-time winner on the Alps Tour. I think he won three times last year too. He did. So, uh, but he's he's risen pretty rapidly uh, from where he was. Yeah, 2016 he played the Alps Tour. Alps Tour. That would less be a three fun, years ago. fun tour to go. What what what, that, what if you could go for an entire season cover one golf tour? What would it be? This is a little gosh. divergent. Maybe the Alps Tour. Uh, man, I mean, I think you know Shipnuck did a good story on late Latino America. Uh, I could see that. I'm I've gotten probably a little too old for. Uh, I would probably say Canada. I'm at the stage of my life where maybe some nice wide open drives through some country, you know, see some mountains, see some nice hikes. Uh, I would probably just do, it sounds boring, but I think a lot of people do Latino America for obviously a lot of reasons. It's exotic. I think I would just go Canada, do a little hiking, a little camping. Everybody speaks English too. You know, easy, sounds, it's easy. Yeah. Sounds sure. so American. That's such an American <laughs> uncultured thing to say. Like, but it's like that's a big part of it, like being able to communicate and and get out there. It's uh, I'd I'd stop at Banff, so that would be a big plus. Yeah, it's I, I would uh, I think I would do Canada too. That that would be a cool and the Alps tour would be really cool if you if you spoke the language. Now for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is powered by TD Ameritrade. Whether on the course or in the market, it helps to have a second set of eyes to keep you on your game. That's why TD Ameritrade's Trade Desk is here to help gut check your strategies so you always feel confident teeing up a trade. Visit tdameritrade.com backslash fried egg to learn more about what their Trade Desk can do for you. Member SBIC. With, uh, with the Masters, when, when do you get into town? Uh, I'm going to leave early Monday morning. So it's like a five-hour drive uh, through the middle of nowhere. Um, so I've got, I'm getting my podcast queue ready. Um, and yeah, I'll get there probably early Monday. Press conferences start like noon and Monday. I think Tommy Fleetwood kicks it off. What's your What's your kind of schedule when you're when you're at Augusta? Give us a little look behind the curtain. Uh, I think it's just controlled madness. For it's just you know, sun up to sundown. Uh, I do. Let's see. I usually I drive in Monday. Usually get there midday. You know, trying to write something off of whatever happens that day, which isn't too much. Um, then do maybe a little nice late afternoon walk around the golf course. Cause it's hard. You can get like stuck in the grindstone of like, all right, I'm just gonna write all this copy and we've got traffic and all this stuff. And you're like, man, I'm at Augusta. Like I need to enjoy this. Uh, Tuesday morning to do my big, all right, I'm gonna get there early and I'm gonna go walk. Uh, I usually do nine Tuesday, nine Wednesday uh, each morning. Mm-hmm. Cause Tuesday is like the big press conference day where like every half hour is like some other top 20 player in the world. Um, Wednesday is a lot more low key. It's just the chairman's press conference and the par three contest. But yeah, I think, I mean, it is, I, I try to spend a lot of time at the golf course, but then I'm too, I'm like, well, I should just go there. I mean, the press building is like stupid. Nice. It's ridiculous how nice it is. And I was like, man, it's so hectic. I'm gonna start getting there even earlier. You can get there at like five, get a nice breakfast. They have like print editions of the New York times, which is like <laughs> unheard of. Get a nice breakfast, sit back, read the New York times collect my thoughts of the day, get my takes in order, and then, you know, just be really refreshed and ready to go for when the press conference to start. Uh, what What are your thoughts so far? We're recording this on Friday um, on the ANWA. 
Um, I think it's a step in the right direction. I, as someone who actually went to the inspiration, the craft Nabisco for a lot of, for a few years for golf week and would do the double, uh, which by the way, getting from Rancho Mirage, California to Augusta, Georgia, not the easiest. Um, but having done that double and seeing what that event means to those people, like I could see it, it's hard. I mean, that's a hard overlap, um, to take. And I can't imagine being one of those players that's in the position that had to choose between the two of them. I think Stacy Lewis had a quote that she gave credit to the girls that showed up to the LPGA event. Um, she's like, if you want to play pro golf, the only way to get better is to play in the biggest pro events and get that experience. And I think there's some of that. And I think like, you know, you grow, it's a major. So if you're a woman, you grow up, I mean, of course we all dream of growing up or dream of playing Augusta national growing up, but they keep dream of playing the inspiration as well. I, that I just I mean there were some people that chose to go to that I just that's such a hard decision that I feel bad that people were put in that decision or put in that position they had to make that decision but at the same time it is a, a I think a step in the right direction um, and it is nice to see and so it, it's there's good and bad it's good is it perfect probably not but you know if you wait around just for the perfect opportunity you might never get it so at least something happened I, I feel like uh there's no way that Augusta is going to change their schedule. It makes sense because you have the Anwa and Saturday and like you do have people starting to trickle into town, you know, possibly early or they might add an extra day onto their trip. And then you do have media already kind of starting to get there. You know, it used to be they'd get there Sunday because that was the last day um, that just media was on the court or was there. You weren't allowed on the court. You kind of gather under the tree. Uh, it's so funny because members play with players on Sunday. So like, uh, take your random like Condoleezza Rice is playing with I don't know someone on Sunday, uh, and the Masters week starts the next day. But so media was already getting there Sunday. Now it's on Saturday. They're in town to so get coverage for the event. You know, if it was like there's just some random week in, you know, February or whatever, it wouldn't get near the. It would get good TV coverage, I think, because people will watch Augusta on TV at any time. But it wouldn't get the same, same coverage. And also, their golf season's so short at Augusta that if you give it up for another week. Your, your golf season is pretty short already. I think they're only, what, May or October to May. Mm -hmm. uh, so giving up another week is a tough one. Yeah, I I go back and forth because obviously, like, you're, the media is coming. But then on the flip side, it it's like a big ask for somebody to be there for that much longer. And then the other thing is, like, I, the I – it just seems like you shouldn't have to choose. You shouldn't right. ever it's have... A, it's such a tough choice. It'd be like if the USGA put the U.S. Women's Am and U.S. Women's Open right next to each other on the same day. That would never happen. Yeah, right. It, it, it's actually pretty crazy, especially when you consider A&A is kind of almost like the masters of women golf. Right, totally. You know? Yeah, I don't know. These are... These are... I, I give credit to the women that went to the inspiration. Like, can you imagine turning down... I mean, that's, that's making a bold, I feel like a bold statement for women's golf or maybe the LPGA tour. Like you're turning down a round at Augusta national. <laughs> it's hard to do. Yeah. You never know if you'll get an invite back the next year, if you turn it down. Right. Yes. It's a good point. I figure if they, if they, if they make it big enough in in pro golf, they'll, they'll get a play at Augusta national. And like I, with the way way the state of the golf is too this is the other thing this is actually an interesting question 
are you going to get more exposure for winning the ANWA or winning the ANA as an amateur? I think the ANWA. Right? And that's yeah. that's kind of messed up. Yeah, cause, I mean, you're winning a women's major versus winning a women's amateur event. Just because it's Augusta, like there's more mainstream appeal. You'll actually, if you win the ANWA, you'll 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 be the most well-known women's amateur golfer Ever. in the world for winning the ANWA versus winning the women's amateur. That's the weight of Augusta. Like, how many people know so much more about Jennifer Cupcho and Sierra Brooks now than they did? two or three weeks ago, all because of the annual run-up. Mm-hmm. And, like, because, yeah, like, Cupcho, like, she's playing well, so everybody's talking about her. Yeah. It's, it's, that's the crazy thing. When I talked to Mike Juan a, a couple months ago, what he said about the Olympics in South Korea and what the rating they got for MB was, like, 24, which is essentially, like, triple a Tiger rating here. Yeah. It, it it kind of weighs, but Augusta is that for America. Yeah. Um. So winning the ANWA is a bigger deal in a way for to the country than er, to the golf world than winning any of the any of the majors. I do wonder that may not be the same case five ten years from now. We are looking at the first one, so everyone's like, oh, this, you know, this is the groundbreaking event. This is the first one. This one has the big media run up. So that might not be the case five, ten years ago. It'll still be a big event, but it won't be overshadowing a major and a women, the women's amateur. Uh, I mean, you'll, the winner of the ANWA is going to, depending on who wins the women's open, is going to be more famous than who wins the U.S. women's open. I, You're going to be, you might be, depending who wins, you might be the most famous women's golfer in the country if you win the ANWA this year. That's what I'm saying. It, it, it's unbelievable. I guess, yeah, I guess I'm just processing that. Of like, You might become better known than some of the best professional players. I, I don't think that'll be the case 10 years from now. But this year, yeah. I, I hadn't thought about it until we just started talking about it. It's like I don't think me neither. My, my head's like exploding now thinking about that. It, it, but uh, so let's, let's shift gears. I can't think about that anymore. <laughs> um, Brooks Kepka. Is this you excited the, for the? Are you excited the, for the body issue? Is this the strangest thing that's ever happened to a guy that's won like, you know, the last uh, two of the last three majors? I think so. I actually, and maybe it's because I work in the the PGA Tour, and so I work like, and I we talk about like storytelling and you know getting guys into non golf media, and and one thing we do is we ask players like, what's some non golf stuff you're interested in that like you would love to be featured in, and all these guys have like something, like. You know, someone might be really into, I don't know, like, just say fishing, because it's the first thing, like, what would love to be in, like, a fishing magazine or something, well, you know, like, Sean, so guys, Sean Stephanie is into deer hunting in Iowa. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, only Iowa, <laughs> not the other. Um, that's, maybe that's, like, the Augusta National of deer hunting. That's what I've heard it. I've heard it is, un- like, it's the most unbelievable deer hunting <laughs> place in the world. Um, so anyways, but so, and there, there's guys who are hungry to be known outside of the golf space. So if you are Brooks, you're down in South Florida with Joey D, like working out is huge for you. Like I could see you being like, I'm going to do this, um, because it's only four months out of the year. I'm just, I can't believe like they couldn't say like, Hey, can we shoot this in December? Like, and then that way I'm off and I can lose this weight and it's not going to affect my game. But like, I don't know. I, it's definitely interesting, but if you want to be like, 
for Brooks, it might be a big deal to be the first golfer in the body issue. I, do you, the thong picture in the Maldives is now was, like the just, precursor. Yeah, that was just that was dropping hints. Uh, that was getting us ready. Maybe it's just to get the before picture and then the after picture. But then now, if he gains the twenty-four pounds back like too quickly, now are we gonna have like too big a shift in? Like you know, we've gone down too fast, up too fast. Like, do we have to change equipment? Uh, like, I don't know. This is what kind of is makes it crazy for me. Like this guy has played better than anybody else. Like he's winning the biggest events, and then he won the CJ CJ Cup to get the regular you know can't win a regular tour event monkey off his back. Imagine if LeBron, in last year in the in a postseason run, just was like, "Hey, I'm I'm losing twenty five pounds for for something well, I no, can't tell you about." It would this would it would be LeBron in the first like twenty five games of the season. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But he is he does have the, th- the three peat chance at the US Open coming up. I see I think he'll be back to normal but he just like kind of I think the thing the tournament that he screwed is the is the Masters. But watch him go out and win and prove us all wrong. You know. I actually I want I want people at the US Open to take I don't know when the body issue comes out I assume it'll be before the US Open to take that picture and blow it up life size and like just carry it around at Pebble Beach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that would be just something. Um, that would be it'd be a new way of heckling, right? New new way of golf uh, yeah. heckling. So let's uh, let's talk about the the major list, the biggest name major list. We haven't even talked about Tiger either. So we I got- agree with Joe. I think or no, it was Shipnuck. Pete, man, he got lit up by people. All Shipnuck was saying was that Tiger is like the twelfth, number twelve favorite this week, or like maybe even like fifteen. Is that where you put Ten- him? I'd probably put ten guys ahead of him. Let's uh, let's just right? run. Let's just run down the done. I'll run down a few names here. Right, Dustin yeah. Johnson ahead of him. Yeah, Justin Rose clearly. Yep. Rory. Yep. Brooks. Not not uh, downsized Brooks. <laughs> not small Brooks. <laughs> um, but many, JT. Many Brooks. Yeah. JT. Would you put JT ahead of him? At Augusta, a place he hasn't really done it and done much yet. He hasn't, but small sample. What is this like his third, fourth Masters? Yeah, third, fourth. But um, I no, I think he's still. I mean, he's so good. Okay, so he's ahead. Of, so he's ahead of yeah. him. So we got we got uh now we've got we've got five guys or four guys. Bryson. I'm probably putting every guy that's ahead of him in the world ranking ahead of him. Except for downsized Brooks. Yeah, which that was half joke. It's medium Brooks. It's medium. Uh, um, but even then, like, I mean, if, if Jason Day is healthy, if Fleetwood might be ahead of him. Tony Finau, if, you know. <sighs> yeah, I mean, there's probably, he's probably like the 15th best favorite, which isn't, I mean, Shibnot got killed for this, but it's a, it's not a bad place to be, but also it's realistic. I mean, would you put Phil ahead Peter, of him? Gosh, I don't think so. Phil's been pretty bad since he wanted to at a or wanted Pebble. <laughs> he, he's something. Else. And his Augusta record, his Augusta record the last few years has not been good. Yeah, I think he finished. He played well the year Spieth won, but that's because Spieth just ran away from everyone. Would you put a? Hideki? He doesn't have a top. Would you oh put, yeah, I'd play Hideki. Of course, Hideki. even no matter just because. Just, just, just out of Spieth, you'd put ahead of him, right? 
Yeah, as we as we write this, speed or as we record this, speed has tied the lead of Valero, two straight sixty eights. That's uh, it's kind of big news. That's going to be a big moving uh, line. Uh, Corey Connors also tied the lead Monday qualifier to the Masters. I can't believe how many times he's had a Monday qualify this year. This is his third, so he's not even he's not in TJ Vogel territory yet. But he has a third, and so if he has like another high finish, like two top fives off of Monday qualifying, uh, that's pretty impressive. It's, I've I've been, I've been kind of disappointed with the Canadian golfers. I remember so flashback uh, today. I guess flashback Friday, I, 2009. I was bringing golf week covering the amateur game, and we had Nick Taylor and Matt Hill on our cover as like this big like Canadians are coming type thing because Nick Taylor was the number one amateur in the world, and Matt Hill was coming off his eight win season when he swept conference regionals and NCAA's. Like they were, I mean, it was like Nick Taylor and Matt Hill were so good. And I mean, Nick Taylor's on tour, but all he has is the Sanderson. And I think in ten years, Matt Hill's never even—I don't know if he's even gotten full-time status on the web tour. This is the most amazing thing about golf: is the guys that peak at twenty-one. Yeah, it, that's, it's not about them, you know. I, I feel well, like we all we we all think that like it's this linear progression. So if you're really good at thirteen. You're gonna be really good at 15, and then 17. You're just gonna keep getting better and better. You know, you're really good at 21. You're gonna be great at 25. It's like not necessarily. Some guys have the best year of their career at 21. I was talking with somebody. I can't remember who, but how golf, in a way, is kind of becoming more like baseball, where baseball, you, they don't necessarily draft the best player in out of high school. They draft the best prospect out of high school. Right. Right. So they draft the guy that can throw 92. He might not have control of, or throw 94. He might not have control of his, his stuff, but he's six four. He's got room to build, grow out. And golf, I think that is the where it's kind of going. Is that yeah. a lot of times the guy that's the best at 21 isn't going to be the one that's best at 26. Obviously, sometimes that is the case. But, yeah, I mean, college golf, you might be playing shorter courses. They might be a little softer. Rough might not be as thick. So you can get away with a lot more. Mm-hmm. Versus succeeding at the tour, you're going to have to be six foot three and, and pound it and hit it 320. So, you know, while we're speaking, let's talk about the AMs. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's my wheelhouse. Let's do it. We got, uh, obviously, you're going to be high on Hovland. Hovland is by far and away the the cream of the amateur crop this year. He's unbelievable. It's he's been him and Wolf haven't played that much together this season because of just them playing all these different pro events. Uh, but they're pretty neck and neck. I think Wolf has a higher ceiling. The, the word I've gotten is Wolf has a higher ceiling. Hovland hits a little bit shorter, but has maybe a more well rounded game because he can't just rely on on pure distance. Um, but I did. I tweeted something out about Wolf. Wolf is under par scoring average on par threes, par fours, and par five. So it's not like he's just like eating up par fives. Like he's got a good all around game. But Hovland, Hovland has been pretty neck and neck with him the few times that they've played this season. Uh, they're definitely like one two in the country. He's obviously the class. the The kid from uh, South Africa uh, that plays out of Auburn. He's a good player yeah. too. But Ernie L's nephew, which is pretty cool. I know we the whole family stuff always gets overblown, but like it's kind of cool. Do you think that Augusta's gonna owe uh, owe uh, Rabula a little? 
in in wake of Ernie. Yeah. It is kind of weird to think that he's Ernie L's nephew and Ernie won't be there. And Ernie, like, just... I mean, he unloaded on Augusta. Yeah, I think there's just so much baggage there. Just because... That's the thing. I mean, the thing with Rory, I always retort with... Like, I think he'll get it. He has so many chances. But, like, everyone also assumed that Norman and Ells would get theirs and Weisskopf. And, and Westwood. And everyone, everyone talks about Westwood and <laughs> all the close calls he had there. Is he listening? Does he know yet about this? Is he going to be listening to this? I, no, I don't think he knows. Okay. Westwood? Yeah. No, I don't think he knows who I am. He doesn't know who his biggest fan in the world is, you know? Uh, Hideki, I think, it's like with Hideki. Hideki knows who I am. We, we know each other. But I, I kind of actually, I hope that he doesn't actually see my tweets. Like, I, I assume that he doesn't, which is one reason why I do it. Because I assume that he doesn't. I hope someone's not like, man, did you see what this guy tweeted today? And then he's just like... Would be good. What what if Ernie uh, Ernie gets on the bag for him? That's what I was wondering. That would be cool, right? Hey, Ernie doesn't even want to go back though. I mean, how could he possibly do that after what he said? I'll tell you what. This yeah. Carlos Ortiz's brother Alvaro, he can really Carlos, play. And Carlos is caddying, right? I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, what would you place the odds on Hovland? Uh, Hovland. Uh, Low am. Uh, I'm bad with making odds, but I would. I think that's a pretty strong bet. Like two to one. Probably. Probably, unless they all just miss the. Well, I don't. Yeah, probably two to one, four to one. I don't know, but I mean, I think. I think. I think. What else? We got Devin Bling was the runner-up, and he just waxed him. Um, I mean, Hovland is just by far the best pedigree of the group. The Japanese player who won the uh, won the Asia Pacific is pretty good. Oh yeah, he I, is. He won finished second in the Japan Open. He did. I re- can't remember his name. I wanted to uh, Takumi uh, Kan Kanaya. Yeah. He. Uh, I think he did really well in the Australian Open too. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He. I mean, they all. That's the thing. So it, we got like a historically small field this year. Yeah, which is it's also it, probably yeah. good. It looks like there's thunderstorms in the uh, forecast. Just a hot thunderstormy week. That's not good for for golf. I Means it will be a bunch of leaderboard though. Um, yeah. If you were gonna give one player an exemption, could be young kid, could be. Could be a college player. Could be a could be a wily vet. Who would you already be? know my answer. I already know my answer. An exemption into Augusta. Yeah. Oh, it have to be Matthew Wolf, right? Oh, no. I, I don't no? know. I would I would go with an old guy. I would love. I mean, the number one amateur in the world, which Wolf just took that spot from Hovland. He gets into the U.S. Open and the British Open. I'd love to see him in the Masters too. Yeah, that's true. I I think that would be a good move. I mean, professionals have had their chances to to qualify. Uh, Wolf didn't even get to play in the mass or in the uh, U.S. Amateur. He was injured, so I think just to make that, I mean, he obviously would have finished first or second if he had played. So I think to rectify that, Augusta <laughs> obviously should give, a, should give him a special exemption. Yeah, Morikawa has been really good too. Morikawa is like sleepy, great. Worst finish this year is fifth in like ten events. He's having like the greatest college season that nobody's noticing because Matt Wolf. Uh, yeah, and but did you see my my tweet about Tiger's college scoring average? Mm-mm. 
So Tiger, when Tiger won eight times, obviously that's the record. Tiger and Matt Hill, that's the record Matt Wolf is going for. When Tiger won eight times in his sophomore season at Stanford, his scoring average was 70.61. That would rank 51st in the nation this season. Wolf's, Wolf's scoring average is like 67.7. And so is Morikawa, so is Hovland up there. That's it's wild. It's it's a totally different. I mean, obviously, technology all that has a big part to do with it. Uh, there are there's 19 guys with a sub 70 scoring average. That's that's absolutely crazy. Yeah. Uh, so it actually goes Wolf 67.95, Morikawa 68.4, Hovland 68.7. What's amazing to me is that the scoring average in professional golf hasn't done this, like how they've been able to combat it. Do you think it's because they they yeah, just they can't golf, manipulate the scoring as much at a college setup? Yeah, I think professional golf you just move like you move to a new venue. I mean, because you you go to bigger venues because they have more land also for you know, all that goes along with a professional event. So you move from, you know, like this week, you move from La Cantera, which was like 67, 6,800 yard long par 70 to TPC San Antonio, which is like 74, 7,500 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, they're playing courses here where they're just, you know, a, a course isn't building like new tees because they host a college event once a year. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's so true. So, that that kind of explains why, like, well, like they've just lengthened courses or moved to bigger venues to 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 keep the scoring at bay. I mean, if guys played Lock and Terra this week, I mean, it would be, gosh, it would be, we probably have multiple scores in the fifties because even back then, guys were shooting a bunch of sixty ones and sixty twos. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna throw a uh, I'm gonna throw a couple questions at you. Some rapid fires. Let's do it. That work? Yeah. Re- you ready for him? I am. All right. Who has a better finish? Ricky or Rom? Who? Uh, I am. My my first instinct is Ricky, but I feel like that might be wrong i feel like ron's been really steady this this year um i mean they both play pretty good ricky's one obviously i'm gonna just i'm gonna say ricky all right xander or finau pita pita made finau his favorite okay that was crazy (laughs) that was that was a little that was high that was aggressive um I am going to go. Both have cooled a little bit. I'm going to go Xander. Casey or Fleetwood? Uh, I'm going to go Casey. I just feel like he's a machine on that golf course. All right. And last one. Eh, we'll do two more. Two more. Go Rory or Rose? Rory. I think he'll just. Finish top ten again, guaranteed. Hey, Rose is going to finish top ten too. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Rose is crazy good there. I, I still, I'm going to go, still go Rory. And then we'll go Tiger or Phil. 
I'm going to go Tiger. Phil's record there the last few years has not been that good. I remember there's been a few there's been a few years where I picked him because he was playing well and it just didn't end up well. Ever since he busted out the Tin Man outfit, things have gone <laughs> awry. <laughs> favorite favorite outfit of all time is the Tin Man outfit. Uh, David Poulton, I think it is, who tweets out like really good old videos and photos. I had one today of Tony Jacklin in like an all lime green outfit. <laughs> Dude, the style of players in like the 80s and 70s was so good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was unbelievable. Um, what do you think about Tiger going with the Bach? I was I, I was looking at it because someone said it was a blade, and then I'm like, no, this is the Bach. And then I look, he wore the Mach in 2005. So maybe he's just trying to channel his 05. Actually, I have a question for you. This is a debate I had with uh, Sean Zock. He has a, that great podcast, A Pod, unlike any other, where they watch old masters. He calls Tiger's chip on 16 and 05 the greatest shot ever hit in masters history. Uh, I told him that Gene Sarazen would like to have a word with him. But I think, I mean, there is a point we got into where the Gene Sarazen one, I mean, you have to hit it really well, but there's a certain amount of luck. The Tiger one is just a deft touch that people don't have. So I could make a case for both. I still think that if Twitter had been around for a guy making a double eagle on 15 on Sunday to force a playoff, uh, it would have exploded. So I still say that, but I could I could see why you can make a case for Tiger chipping. Yeah, I uh, the the bigger question I would have with that is was Dustin's drive at Kapalua greater than that? No. <laughs> um. Yeah, I would. I, that's just that's actually like a really hard question. I mean, like you have to think the Sarazen shot just because of how far away he was. Think about the equipment he was using. <laughs> From 235 in 1935. That, that's like the equivalent of like 270 today. Right. Over maybe, water? Maybe more than that. Yeah, if you miss hit that thing at all, it's going in the water. You're not covering 235 well, he, if with, you, a, with a miss hit. If you miss hit it, it might not even get to the water. <laughs> that's a good point. Maybe that's what he was thinking. Like, right, if I don't... <laughs> If I don't hit this on the screws, it's short of the water, and I just chip up. That's it. the the I was I was reading something about an old tournament yesterday. I was doing some uh, some research for Flashback Friday, and uh, and the they, I was reading about a guy. He missed from the fairway. He missed a green forty yards short. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, like, and he was in the lead. How is that even possible? <laughs> I could, I could see it. I, Forty yards short of a green from the fairway. If you, t- I mean, you take an old nineteen fifties Wilson staff and a marshmallow bolada and you hit it on the toe, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, it was, it was a crazy miss. Like that miss was uh, uh, existent. It's, uh, I guess, yeah. I think, I mean, Tiger's shot was so good. I think there are just like, there's so many underrated shots, right? That get swept like. Tiger shot was iconic, but then there are like, what about Sergio's at 15, the year he won? Hitting the stick? Yeah. Yeah. It be and, and then you think about like when he hit the ball into the woods on 13 that year and, and didn't lose it. Yeah, that, I mean... And, and tied Justin Rose, who I want to say hit the fairway. I think Rose might have even been... Was Rose on in two or was right around the green in two? He yeah. Just, and they tied? 
And then and then he hit that shot on fifteen. That shot on fifteen was one of the most amazing shots. Yeah, I've seen. Because uh, so Tiger's chip, right? That that was a great shot, great touch. It went in. Uh, underrated one, I think I was listening to, to Sean Zock's pod. They're doing ninety-seven. Was I want to say that it was Tiger's first hole with Colin Montgomery in the third round and. You know, Monty had been kind of, uh, to had been kind of just downplaying Tiger's true ability, and so Tiger sent it like 80 yards by him on the first hole, just sent a message, and then Tiger shot I think 70, and Colin Montgomery shot 81. The uh, did did you see that thing I tweeted from Peter's book about that? No. So uh, Monty, so here's here's an excerpt. This is from Joe Peter's book. Uh, 2019 Masters preview. Um, Very good that, read. I re- I read that. It it's good. a quick read. Highly recommend it. It's it's like 11 bucks in on Amazon, and you'll get it before the Masters. Uh, he does this strokes gained analysis. It's it, unbelievable stuff. So here's from his book. It took it only took Colin Montgomery, then the third ranked golfer in the world, playing one round with Tiger at the Masters, to go from a hopeful challenger, eager to take on the young pro to demoralize foe and true believer montgomery began the third round of the 97 masters in second place and was uh and as such was paired with woods the tournament leader after 36 holes for their third round when he spoke to reporters afterwards the normally cocky and brash scotsman stood 12 strokes behind woods and was asked about the prospect of woods blowing his nine shot lead Knowing that he just w- knowing what he just witnessed firsthand, he said, "There's no chance humanly possible." <laughs> Reporters reminded him that just a year before, Norman had blown a seemingly insurmountable lead on Sunday, to which Montgomery replied, "Greg Norman's not Tiger Woods." <laughs> so I uh, this was a guy was who doing... never won a major. <laughs> Right. Well, I tweeted today, Tiger was the reigning U.S. amateur champion when he won by 12. It'd be like if Victor Hovland rolled into town and won by 12 shots. It's wild. It's so absolutely- this, is, this is the quote from Monty that got Tiger fired up. Uh, this is from John Strage's biography, Tiger, when Tiger first turned pro. Before the third round, Monty says, if he decides to do what he's doing, well, more credit to him. We'll all shake his hand and say, well done. But I've got more experience in major golf than he has, and hopefully I can prove that. <laughs> And then, yeah, he says the, so then afterwards he says, all I have to say today is one brief comment. This is Monty. There's no chance. We're all human beings here, but there's no chance it's humanly possible that Tiger is just going to lose this tournament. No way. So after a brief pause, someone boldly asked why he would say that. Montgomery says to the reporter, have you just come in or have you been away? Have you been on holiday and just arrived? How about this? Uh, yeah, the, the shade that he throws at Greg Norman was pretty strong. But then also Constantina Roca, who played in the final group of Tiger, Roca's quote before the final round was, to catch Tiger, I would probably need a gun, which is a little. Ugh. I mean, I know what he's saying, but let's. Maybe tone <laughs> Can it down you imagine a bit. if he said that in today's world? <laughs> Jeez, yeah. Like it would be like Constantine Constantin Roca uh, threatening to kill Tiger Woods, right. young right. phenom. <laughs> tour pro can't can't beat young young phenom on course, so takes to violence. I think about that all the time. All the stuff that people used to say that one would be just completely ridiculous, and this is even like ten years ago. Uh, yeah. Like if you watch a comedy movie from ten years ago, you're like, "What? 
Right. <laughs> well, how is this? How, you know, this would not be acceptable today. Right. So, hey, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go, but we we gotta get you on the hook. Who's your Who's your pick? Uh, Hide- I'm gonna go Rory. I think he gets it done. <laughs> you almost did it. Well, Hideki's a close second, but I couldn't pull the trigger. He's, he, you know, he's a, he's got good eyes at 45. Could be a good. Those are, yeah, uh, Jamie Kennedy tweeted about that. He said like this player at 45 one. It was like second in strokes gained approach, like three straight top tens at Augusta or something. Augusta is actually where the Hideki thing started. I got to tell the story real quick. Okay. Uh, Hideki was playing. He won the Asian Amateur, so he's playing Augusta as an amateur, and he shoots 68 in the third round pretty early. Walks off the golf course like in the top. 15 maybe and i go to another writer i'm like hey you gonna go get hideki and he's like no one of our interns is going to get him and so then ever since then i was like man i like not getting the respect he deserves he was if he was a 19 year old american collegiate kid like we'd be freaking out but so then that was my i made it my life's mission to uh to give hideki the credit he was due ever since then the uh hideki just i i, I think that's the, the same way i feel about siwoo but siwoo's not hideki unfortunately no. Hideki was top 200 in the world ranking before he turned pro. <laughs> who's, who's, are, are you most impressed with Sung J.M.? That's another rookie? guy who I, I'm like, man, if Sung J.M. was like a Jordan Spieth, we'd be like, this is amazing. Uh, he's pretty impressive. He's, I mean, he's been very consistent. He's been on the board a lot. He hasn't had the best weekends like closing, but he's been knocking on the door. The clusters. He's getting into the clusters. That's right. All, all, you, all you can do is get in, get into contention and then let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, that's all golf is. Because the more times you're there, the the more comfortable you are, the more chances you have. You Winning know? is so weird. I mean, you think about the time where a guy is sitting in a clubhouse and some guy bogeys 18, and then that means the guy in the clubhouse wins. And it's like, you had nothing to do with that. Or just like the crazy bounces that happen. We just talked about Sergio when he found yeah. a ball in the woods. He somehow avoided that. Was like we thought. It, you're watching that, and you're like, "Up oh, here's Sergio's meltdown." Because there's always, you know, there always was one in a major, and then yeah, it does. Think about Phil from the Pine Straw, the one year. Yeah, I saw that Ernie that year shot the single greatest strokes gained final round. Yeah. at the Masters, the sixty-seven. Yeah, and he lost to Phil, or even Demarco's chip. On, in 2005 it had a little bit of speed but i don't know it caught a good part of the hole and part of the stick i uh justin ray texted me a stat that i gotta gotta throw out here this is a crazy crazy stat um it's about larry larry mize i know you just appreciate this so larry mize has made two of the last four cuts of the masters despite porter Porter tweeted this out, but go on. Despite, maybe, maybe it's different. Okay, Larry Mize has made two of the last four cuts of the Masters despite losing 42 shots to the field <laughs> on tee shots and approach shots. Okay, that wasn't what Porter... Porter tweeted, uh, cuts made in the last five Masters. Larry Mize, three, Tiger, two. <laughs> He's lost 42 shots to the field. So what's his throws game putting? Like, plus... <laughs> Six around? Yeah, it's something astronomical. <laughs> Let me see. That is amazing. I, I think I have it here. He's uh, Larry Mize. 
is uh what is he 60 now he's averaging a strokes gain a, a stroke gained per per round the last okay. four years it's pretty good <laughs> that is it's really good but that's <laughs> larry mice the legend is he gonna make the cut this year what is he now? Sixty. That's a good bet. That's a good prop bet. I think he missed it last year. I think he finally. I think he made it last year. Did he really? Well, he made it Hagestad's year. I remember that. Okay. Because because the Hagestad I think was paired with uh, Stewart and uh, and Mize. No, uh, Mize missed it in 2018. Finished 52nd in 2017. And he made it in 2016. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, hey, it's been a it's been a pleasure. I'm sure you'll be. Uh, I'll sit, probably talk to you on on one of the uh, either this or the shotgun start before the end of the week. Sounds good. Um, I'll see you in Augusta. Safe travels. Enjoy the drive. Enjoy the solitude. <laughs> Some pods. The Aiken one was really good. Also, if anyone's going to Augusta, go play Aiken Golf Club uh, and listen to the pod. Place is amazing. Yeah. Place is really cool. All right. Uh, I'll talk to you soon, Sean. Thanks for the time. Sounds good. See you.